And welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am here as always with Randall Walter McDonald. And I am here with the wonderful Brian Paradise. That's me. I am wonderful. So we are here to talk about the October 17th episode of Saturday Night Live with Issa Rae and musical guest Justin Bieber. Randall, just some kind of 30,000 foot view. What'd you think of this episode? I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was better than the first episode. It is in competition with the second episode. Uh, before we, I watched this episode, we had talked. I didn't know anything about Issa Rae. Yeah. And so this is my first introduction to her. I stayed away from anything about her. I had no idea what was going on, and I loved it. And I loved her. I think we're going to have some uh, some dueling opinions this episode. Because I... I there were some things that were good. Mm-hmm. Overall, I was just kind of unimpressed throughout all of it. And I think I'll kind of express that through as we talk about the episode. Okay. I thought Issa was great. She has some great energy. We'll talk about her monologue once we get through the cold open kind of discussion. But like on the whole, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Bad. But I, w- I, maybe I was on a Bill Burr high from last week with how... Uh, yeah. High quality and interesting those sketches were, and I, I as we go through this, it wasn't one thing. I don't think there was like one big kind of clunker of a sketch or a moment, but overall, I just eh, it was like an okay episode. But isn't that like the definition of a good SNL episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, I, it was definitely a thing that I watched, and there was things I liked about it, but it was mostly harmless. Did you think it was better than the first episode of the season? Yes. I think it was better than the first episode of the okay. season. So I think we can agree on that. I think I thought the Burr was best so far. This yeah. is second. Chris Rock was fir- or third. He was definitely third. Yeah. He so <laughs> he was first and, and the worst so far. <laughs> so let's get right into the episode. So it started with... And maybe this is the problem. Maybe the problem is the way that the episode started. So this is the second time or either second or third time so far this season where there's been a title card basically saying this is literally a rerun from the night before. Yes, and it basically is a rerun rerun from the night before. They they don't really make jokes about it. They kind of just repeat some of the same things that they've been saying uh, in these debates or these town halls. Yeah. Um, but I thought that this cold open was the better of all the cold opens that they've really? done. I do think that. Oh, no, we're going to have a disagreeing uh, episode this episode. Yeah. So um, the, <laughs> the setup of this one is what happened in real life, that there was uh-huh. two episodes or two town hall style debates because the president got COVID and didn't want to do a virtual debate. So that instead we got these two things. Right. So. Uh, they had the format of the two, two actual town hall debates. Joe Biden is inside with George Stephanopoulos and Trump is outside with Tucson's own Savannah Guthrie. She's from Tucson? She is. She went to the university. I mean, maybe she's not from Tucson, but she is definitely a graduate of the university of Arizona. I did not know that. That is fascinating. We, we are here in Tucson and and proud of our, uh, wildcats. Yeah, we are. (laughs) So, uh, Here's what I thought was interesting about this. I think, and this is, I kind of wrote this down towards the bottom of my notes for this sketch. I think they are having trouble finding an angle for Biden because 
and I actually had the experience that they were creating for this sketch. I was watching the Biden debate or Mm -hmm. not, not debate. I was watching the Biden town hall on my computer and on YouTube. And then on Twitter, I was following a reporter that was reporting on the Trump town hall. So I was literally watching this, like during the commercial breaks from the Biden thing, I'd catch up on what this reporter was saying about Trump. So I did watch both of them. Yeah. And I think what rang false to me about their, their presentation of Biden is that he isn't what Jim Carrey is lampooning. Yeah. 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 Did you watch any of the the town hall? I did. I watched, I watched a bit of both. I, I would say, I watched highlight. I watched it after it had happened. I watched highlights of both of them, which even highlights, I guess, could be skewed a little bit. Yeah, you know, depending on where you're finding those highlights. So, I think it's hard to do Biden for Jim Carrey because you're trying to make it funny, and I think that that's like the only angle that they have is like, of course, you're not going to make a realistic depiction of what Biden is. So you've got to go with this angle of he's talking up. He's going on and on and on and he's not answering questions. Maybe, you know, it's hard to find the angle for what's funny about Biden. Right. And that's what I mean. That's why I think it's so hard. So between these two people, you have Trump where in the Trump side of things, they were literally just repeating things that happened. Mm -hmm. Right. So they had Savannah Guthrie calling him somebody's crazy uncle. That's a thing that happened. Right. They had Ego Wodum as the uh, black lady that was (laughs) nodding. They had (laughs) Chloe Feynman as the woman that complimented his appearance and then hit him with an immigration question. So they did, they were able to just like repeat things that happened on the Trump side with, with Kate McKinnon as Savannah Guthrie. And on the Biden side, uh, like Biden answered 10 questions in 90 minutes. So to say that he was a little windy while he was talking is accurate, right? Like, he, yeah, but he was he spoke a lot because he had a lot of he kind of framed his answers around policy positions and stuff. Yeah. So they're using the angle that Biden is kind of dotting, which he just kind of isn't. Yeah, he's folksy and he is old and he likes to tell a story, but he's but he's not. Uh, confused about where he is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he is confused where he is. I don't think the dementia angle that one side is trying to hit him with is quite as accurate. But no. I think he is, like you said, he's he's folksy. He likes to talk in stories. And yes. so I think they're trying to make fun of that. And I think in doing that, it makes it come off as they're making fun of him as being dotty. Or... Right. I did like where they ended up with him, though, because so they had him as two prominent PBS figures, first as uh, Mr. Fred Rogers, (laughs) and then second as uh, Bob Ross. And so that came from, I'm not sure if you saw that tweet, that during the the town hall, there was a member of the the GOP that said, watching this debate makes me feel like I'm watching an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood As Uh... as an attack. But then the kind of public reaction that you could see online was that like, Everybody likes Mr. Rogers. That sounds great. Yeah. Can we please have Mr. Rogers be the president? <laughs> so I thought that was cool that they used that angle to have him both transform to Mr. Rogers and then an even more extreme calming person in Bob Ross. Yeah. Oh, I guess one part that I liked about this cold open was it didn't get, it got weird, yes. but it got weird. Uh, you could follow how it was getting weird, like mm-hmm. how he turned into 
Mr. Rogers and into Bob Ross, and you're like, I get what angle they're going for. That's why I like this cold open more than any other because mm. I feel like the other cold opens, it was like, how do we end this? Let's just go super weird where we mute Trump and pause him, or yeah. let's go super weird where Joe Biden turns into Jeff Goldblum. Yes. And so this one was one where it was like, okay, I get like what we're going for on this one. Yeah. So I, I thought it was cleaner in that way. I'll agree with that. I think they shoehorned in Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris. Yeah, I feel like that's one problem that they have is they go, we have to use these actors. Yes. I feel like they should stop thinking that in that way. Yeah, I think what what was striking to me is two things about the sketch, kind of thinking about the show, kind of from a this being a business that is a television show, is that this is the first time we saw Melissa Villasenor so far. Right. It took to episode three for her to be on camera. So yeah. like, oh, good. It's nice to see her. But when they did the live from New York at Saturday night, there was only one person that currently works on that show. So because it was <laughs> Jim Carrey and Alec Baldwin and Maya Rudolph, all ringers that they brought in. Yeah. And Kate. Yeah. So you have somebody who is really strong, who is not getting stage time in Melissa Villasenor. And then you're loading it with these cameos because, and like, I agree that they didn't currently have a cast member that could do Kamala Harris. Right. I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think that Tr- Baldwin is just like trapped into this Trump thing. He for, doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't stick around to the yeah. end. Uh, and then Jim Carrey is just a delight and I think happy to be doing sketch comedy. So like, oh, yeah. I like that he's there, but it's also like, there's nothing that he's doing that Mikey Day couldn't do. Yes, I agree with that 100%. I feel like they feel like they have to use these people. And so they're writing their sketches based off of what they have to use instead of writing good sketches and then putting those people in, which is how you would write any normal sketch. Right. They're they're working backwards from the assumption that they have to get uh, certainly Carrie and Kamala Harris. Or yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Aha. Carrie and Rudolph in because they're like on a special engagement, essentially, right? Like they're going yeah. to be in every episode up until whatever yeah. predetermined point. And we got Maya in a different sketch. So if you didn't use yes. her, if you didn't use her in the opening sketch, you could have used her later on, and people would have still appreciated that, right? Yeah. So that's it. I don't know. So that was that was the first sketch. Then we get to Issa Rae's monologue. Mm-hmm. Notably, she did not come out in a mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. But I thought that was interesting that they made kind of like a point of both the previous hosts coming out in a mask and handing it off this time, maybe because she didn't have anything to trade for like they did with Bill Burr. Obviously, like her outfit did not have pockets. Yeah. Like maybe that was more of a, they just chose not to do that. But she basically, it's interesting. So we're on our third week in a row of essentially having a stand-up style monologue because she is not a, she's not known for being a stand-up. She's known for having... Uh, the show and being in movies and she alluded to her her time on a web series that she developed mm-hmm. so she's kind of like storyteller and she just told some stories and it was fun i did like that she started by talking about that this felt like uh, an achievement being on saturday night live and having the, that connection with her family yeah. i really like that yeah yeah her coming out I loved, I mean, her opening line when she was like, I'm the first black woman to be on SNL. And she got a huge applause. She's like, that's not even true. Yeah. And the fact that you guys all believe that. I uh, mean, it felt true, right? It felt it, true, yeah. Because she said that. I was like, that, that's not accurate. <laughs> but I couldn't then go, you know, it's this person. Like, because I, I don't know. And I didn't like yeah. that. And then the running joke that she was uh, Mary J. Blige, yes. it, it was great. And she called, she made a call back to it several times. 
which I like, which is very uh, stand-up comedic, like to have a callback like that. Yeah, uh, I liked the the framing of the uh, the thing that you say to buy time when you realize you're meeting somebody that you don't know, and then using that Mary J. Blige runner as to say like, oh, I'm, the Mary, I'm Mary J. Blige, racist. <laughs> yeah. So she she is very charming. I thought she was very funny uh, in her monologue. I think that was probably the best use of her all night. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about it. Okay, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I liked her framing as well, talking about where being on a show is high school, and now that she's a senior, going on SNL is, is her prom, and yeah. then she puts out. Yeah. <laughs> she got to said we're gonna go over all applause. The we're going to go all the way. Thank yeah. you. Uh, she got to said that over applause. So that was a little bit harder to detect, but I thought that was great. I also liked how short it was. Yeah. I'm happy to have a long monologue. If it is a, if it's strong, I think that there's times where some hosts can't find a bit or they're trying to do something around the host to make it entertaining. Yeah. But this was, she just wanted to tell kind of, she's a story based kind of comedian, tell basically her perspective on this and then get out of there. Yeah, I think it's interesting. During election season, it feels like these cold opens are longer than most cold opens. Yes. I, I would love to go back and look at what how long each cold open was, because I marked this one, too. It was around 12 minutes and 20 seconds long. Yeah. What we've been getting is, like you said, stand-ups who are then doing six to eight minutes. And so you're really pushing the show to where you have less sketches and she kind of went shorter, and I think we got more sketches yes, in we, this episode than any other episode this season. We got season. a proper final weird sketch that I don't that I think has been lost the last couple of weeks. Yeah, because of I think between these, like you said, these stand up monologues and a long cold open where they're serving a lot of different interests. Yeah, in that, in that sketch. Do you do you remember if like any other? During election season, because election season naturally has longer cold opens, but have they always been this long? These feel really long. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think about, I think certainly when they were four years ago, when they were doing all the Trump, like Baldwin Trump stuff, I think, because yeah. then I think the idea was like, here's this buffoon. We got a good actor to play him. We're going to have some fun at his expense. And then that will go away. Yeah. But then it didn't. <laughs> so I think that, and also there was... Certainly during the debate, or not the debate, the primary season, they have a bunch of people doing a bunch of impressions. So, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, that'd be interesting to look at. I, I was actually fell into a little bit of a retro SNL hole this week. I watched both of the What's That Name sketches with Bill Hader, those game show sketches that were just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I, watched, I was just watching a few, but it'd be interesting to do a little homework and see what they've done politically in previous election years. Yeah. So our first sketch is Bonjour High, <laughs> which is uh, a daytime talk show in Montreal. So uh, French-speaking part of Canada, which they described as the best part of Canada and the worst part of France. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? First off, having uh, who is there? It was it was was it Mikey Day? Yeah, it was Mikey Day, right? Yeah, Mikey Day was the American in the sketch. Yeah, so it was a. It started off with a what they call in sketch comedy writing a fish out of water sketch where you have one person who's normal, everybody else is crazy. And so you're watching it through that lens. Um, they definitely had a good play on words on Bunter High. Yeah. Which reminded me of Oh Hello, 
Okay. Which is, you know, that saying words wrong mm-hmm. is funny. I thought it was funny. There was there were some parts that were funny. This is where I thought this was uh, Issa Rae's best sketch. Right. Issa Rae's best sketch, they were, she was still barely in. Yeah. But just the part where like she goes, Drake, they go like, breaking news, we got to go back to this story. And then... Her just going, yeah, he's not, Drake isn't here. And then going back to, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they had Bellen and Kate as the anchors. Uh-huh. My impression is, is that Kate knows some French mm-hmm. and Bowen does not. Yes. Because uh, I have a French-speaking father. I took French in school. I, I can parse out a little bit. And it sounded like she was saying, there was that cover, part of the sketch where they were both hushed speaking in French to each other. Yeah. And she was saying things that are words and he was not. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. And then, yeah, they set up this Mikey day fish out of water thing, but he doesn't, they don't do much with it where he's an American where they're getting his name wrong. Uh, And then they have the field reporter in Issa that is on the lookout for Drake. I, they made a Degrassi high next generation joke. Uh, Yeah. He was like, he was in a wheelchair of that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, one of my notes I wrote was it felt like somebody went to Canada this summer on vacation. Oh, and like, yeah. Got like, a di- like, just seems like, oh, here's something I think might be clever. But I don't feel like they had in some other sketches, comparing this to last week with the Blitz sketch, where they put the framing of something conventional, but used it to talk about racial injustice and its differing impact on people. This one yeah. was like... W- wouldn't it be interesting if like this Canadians were really into Drake and an American didn't understand that? Yeah. Yeah. The premise was a a little bit weird. I think it was one of those sketches where you were making fun of Canadian French news. I don't think you needed Mikey day in the sketch. Oh, absolutely not. I I don't think think you needed somebody going like, what's this is so weird. Yeah. It it kind of uh, turned away. But at the same time, I love seeing uh, bone Yang. Yes. And I love seeing Kate McKinnon. Mm Mm-hmm. They are both people that we haven't had a lot of. Yeah, Bowen wasn't in the last episode at all. Yeah, and Kate, she's like in one or two sketches, you know? So it, it was nice to see both of them being able to do their thing. Yeah, I mean, it was a classic fish-out-of-water sketch and didn't really change your mind. The funniest part, I thought, was when they went to back to the field with SRA and then it wasn't anything. Yeah. <laughs> And then it ends with them singing a Celine Dion song. Yeah, which I thought felt that was... appropriately French Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then we, I remarked that we didn't do this last week, but we went straight from a sketch into a, a fake commercial. So they had additional content before the next commercial break. And this was Five Hour Empathy. And this I thought was brilliant. This was, yeah, yeah, this is a great sketch. Yeah, so it is uh, Beck Bennett uh, is presented with this product, Five Hour Empathy, from the from the creators of Five Hour Energy, where if like he wants to un- better understand the plight of less advantaged people for five hours, you can take this shot and understand it, and then he just casually doesn't, and the voiceover <laughs> is done by Keenan, which puts a little bit. Uh, of extra emphasis on the point where basically the voiceover of Keenan is hectoring Bennett to take this thing and he like pretends to take it and then he does it. And uh, we later get Heidi Gardner as the wife who comes in, refuses to drink the empathy as well, uh, but then says that she's a woman. So that's the same. And then kind of backs out of frame. Yeah. And even Keenan is like, wait, no, no, it's not. (laughs) Wait, what? 
This one, uh, not that I need everything to be politically charged. I can have funny for funny. But I right. thought this one was, they they had a very distinct point, and it was well played out. It escalated nicely. It had a very clear ending. And I think yeah. it's also some truth where early in the early in the summer when the George Floyd uh, killing happened and there was the initial protesting, there was a lot of like white folks going like, what do I do? And then yeah. when presented with what to do, didn't do very much. Right. And I think this was a great way of reflecting that. Yeah. And I mean, if anything, we were talking about, I think in our first podcast about how SNL was this political force to talk about the things that you weren't allowed to talk about. Yeah. And now in our day and age, that was politics back then. Everybody talks politics now. And I think it's a nice thing that they've been doing in these last, I would say three episodes where they're talking about the things that we're not allowed to talk about, which is, white people with empathy problems or when we get to the, the uh, Chicago talk yeah. uh, sketch is another one or last week with the uh, sports one. I think that now they're starting to transition into these. These are the things that we should be making, not making fun of, but bringing up and making a good point about through humor. Yeah. And that's the, the best way to talk about these things. I think this was like 70% of a key appeal sketch. Mm-hmm. Right, like if yeah. this was Key and Peel, maybe you would have used the same premise, but gone a little bit more direct, but a little bit darker because that's the the kind of flavor of their show. Yeah, but that I really liked that where it's oh, when faced with an opportunity to actually understand something, you will choose not to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, and 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 it was funny. Yeah, that like Beck uh, played really well against the disembodied Keenan. Keenan can be in literally every sketch, and I'll be happy because he is such a great sketch performer and he's so versatile yeah the other thing that i loved about it was it was short which is something that they've had a problem with yes for so long but this one was we got the joke end it like we know what it is cool yeah and they did this several times in this episode yeah well there were and to your point that there was more sketches because there was less kind of fluff yeah so the next sketch is Issa and chris red on a blind date Mm -hmm. tell me if there is a better term for this because what I wrote down is this is a parade of weirdos. Like the premise of this sketch is that there's a parade of weirdos. Is there a, is there like a real comedy term for that? I mean, again, it was practically a fish out of water sketch, which yeah. is there's one normal person who is Chris Red around these, yeah, parade of weirdos <laughs> that are all distracting from it. Yeah, I think parade of weirdos is actually probably going to be the new term for that. <laughs> well, well, right, basically it was, you know, Issa and Chris are on a date. Mm-hmm. And then they are interrupted by Keenan as a homeless guy, Pete as a different seeming homeless guy, karate man. Yeah. And then Bowen Yang as a living statue robot man. Uh, and then we learn at the end of the sketch that Issa said that she was a princess to Chris before their date, meaning that she was a, cen- not a Central Park, a Times Time Square, Square yeah. Elsa. First woman of color to play Elsa in Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> this felt like a sketch that had nowhere to go, and then, because it didn't, they brought in Punky as Chris's weirdo ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Band. Yeah, on, on paper, they had all the elements of a good sketch. There was a good premise. They played the game. It, ex- it escalated each time, and then there was a button. Yeah. So on paper, it was there. That doesn't mean that's going to be a good sketch. And, no. Uh, I don't think there was enough escalation between each of the guys. So, yeah. like, Keenan is 
it's like, oh, we don't understand why she knows him. Yeah. And then when we see Pete, who's just like not weirder, he's just different. And then poor yeah. Bowen had like nothing to do. He was basically just a costume walking by. Yeah. Yeah. And the hard thing too is we've seen this sketch before. I mean, and we've seen it in yeah. TV shows, we've seen it in movies, we've seen this sketch where there's three ex boyfriends and they're crazy. And they... I don't think this, and I think the problem was the stakes didn't, weren't that high either. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I think that they're like, to your point, you can do a sketch, because this is when they do these dating game sketches, is essentially this, right? You have like a, a potentially normal person and then three escalatingly weird potential mm-hmm. suitors and they kind of play with that. But I don't think Keenan, Pete or Bowen had enough stage time to really establish anything. They were really just like a voice in a costume and a couple of lines. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that I feel like this, uh, SNL cast is running into is I feel like they come up with the premise, but they don't explore all different options within that premise. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can have these crazy ex-boyfriends who are going to show up at this date, but there's a million different angles that you can come out with that with. And I just feel like they chose Times Square performers and they just stuck with it. And they were like, we're going to make this funny. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think the, the punchline at the end was served by a little bit of performance issue with Issa where like when she was saying that she was a Times Square Elsa, she kind of stuttered over the line yeah. and that is going to happen. It's live television, but when you have that happen on the key line of the sketch, it deflates its success anyway, and it also yeah. wasn't that interesting. I think that it felt like there's sometimes where this is definitely a show that is based in New York, Yeah, where things are going to be funnier for New York people, and this was kind of one of them, that if you have gone through Times Square and seen all the people that are posing with pictures with these um, kind of characters and stuff, that's going to be more interesting to you. So, I don't know. This is probably my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too strong on paper. I guess it was a good sketch. Like, if you want to look at form and how it worked out, there wasn't a... There was a button. There was escalation of the joke. Was there? I mean, <laughs> they hit the joke three different times. They did, Which yeah. sometimes they don't do. I mean, like, yeah, on paper it was good. It just wasn't strong. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, so then we got Justin Bieber... Were you doing what I was doing and just waiting for Chance the Rapper to show up? Yes, because this is, I predicted that this would happen yes, last, last show. I was like, I think Chance the Rapper's going to show up. Yeah, uh, my wife ta- uh, asked me, she's like, why did Chance the Rapper retweet that Justin Bieber is on SNL this week? <laughs> like on Friday. I was like, oh, they have the song. Maybe they'll he'll show up. Yeah. And then he did. So and like the whole did. time I'm watching Justin Bieber, I was like, is your friend here? Is yeah. Chance here? Is he going to? And I did not realize that Justin Bieber is 26 years old. He's got to be the oldest 26-year-old I've ever seen. <laughs> Wait, what? He's 26. He's, yeah. He's very young. Yeah. I've known him, I feel like, half my life. Oh, yeah, because he got famous very young. He was 16 when he was... Yeah, it, I, I did not realize... I was just... I wanted to believe that he was 30, at yeah. least. And I was like, this guy is your age. Yeah, me and Justin are the same age. And uh, you don't have nearly as many tattoos. <laughs> uh, but, like, he's fine. I like what they did with the set. Um, I need to look at older performances to see if he is always bent at the waist singing at the floor. Um, but that was yeah. a choice. So it was really nice when Chance shows up and who is just effervescent and an amazing performer. I've had the very good fortune of seeing him live. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's great. And a big smile on his face. Like, I just want 
Chance the Rapper to be back on SNL soon. Yeah. I, it was funny to me. Justin was very much like playing to the ground. Yeah. But as soon as Chance came out, he was all over the stage. He was singing with Chance. He yeah. was doing dance moves. And I was like, Chance has a hype man and it's Justin Bieber. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I really like Chance the Rapper a lot. I hadn't heard that song before. I knew it existed. I thought it was mm-hmm. very good. I think that both of the performances of Justin Bieber were strong vocally. They were good songs. Yeah. This, this is me coming from a place where like, I'm not much of a fan. I don't really have any negative feelings about him. But this is the kind of thing that makes me want to do a little bit of exploring, which we'll talk about later yeah. in the podcast. But I, I liked it. The, the detail I liked, that set that they had made, you could still see the backdrop of the the train station set. So it wasn't yeah. they completely walled it off, which I guess would have been impractical. But it was nice to see like through the thicket of the church that they had created that, you, that they were vines there. and the yeah. Yeah, it was it was a I thought it was a beautiful song and a beautiful uh, again they were actually singing this yes. time. And the reason I knew was there were sometimes where they took the mic away from their mouths mm-hmm. too soon. Oh yeah and like, and and like that. Chance Rapper just like hollering. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I love Chance Rapper. So we get to update one of the... They've been very good on update. This one, I felt yes. like uh, it almost operated, this is my car brain, like a turbo engine that it like started out slow and then built momentum and they were just destroying by the end. Yeah. But they did start a little slow. They, they did their top of the update. They have to talk about the president and his campaign. They talked about uh, more... Uh, they were, they had even more coronavirus giveaways as a part of <laughs> Trump's last week of heavy in-person campaigning. And then also had a, a thing that apparently actually happened where one of the regional candidates crowd surfed. Yeah. Um, what they said was crowd surfed on the second wave of Corona, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> Great jokes. Great jokes all around. Uh, again, uh, last week I said it was the best weekend update I've seen in a while. I think that this one is right up there yeah. with it. I, the, one of the things that is interesting to me, it seems like they're all hearing these jokes for the first time. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, Jost and Che were both laughing at each other's joke, and it seemed very genuine. Yeah. So I encourage our listeners and you, Randall, to watch the SNL kind of behind-the-scenes YouTube video about their um, cue card system, mm. which is insane just the level of care that it takes to make the cue cards. And what made me think of that, what made me think of that is there's at least a couple of times where you can see Jost's reaction change in the middle of a joke, which to me means that he is seeing the next card and he is surprised by what it says. Yeah. Because this is something that that started, I think, the first person to do was John Mulaney to Bill Hader, right? During Weekend Update, where he would change the card. So you think that they're still doing that I now. think that they're writing on the fly and that I just am surprised that they are reacting in such a specific way yeah. during a setup. And it seems very genuine. It's not like Pete Davidson cracking up no. to crack up. It seems like they are seriously like, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Yeah. So it might be that it might be that they are rewriting it as well, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that there it, it is meant to be something that somebody is doing to screw with them, like Mulaney did to Hater. Yeah. But I think this is just like they're writing on the fly and mm. updating things. And there's a couple of times where you can see them, they were fine. 
And then in the middle of the setup to their joke, when they saw their punchline, what it seems like they saw their punchline, yeah. I don't know what they're actually looking at, but then they started kind of chuckling because they were surprised by what it said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things was, was, uh, Michael Che had a, a joke and he, the punchline was, uh, was little Richard. Yeah. And it was a bomb and he just goes, well, never mind. And he starts crossing it, mm-hmm. it out on his card. And I was like, ah, oh, that was a genuine moment of like, oh, that's failed. That feels like they had a conversation during dress. Che insisted that that joke be there. Yeah. And then it, and did, it failed and, and it Joe bombed. knew about it. Yeah. But that's, that was like the turnaround and yeah. the weekend update where all of a sudden now we were having fun. Mm-hmm. I think the last two episodes, the update has been the strongest part of the show. Yeah. It, it always has the potential for that. So we, so after we recorded last week, I showed Randall this Super Bowl commercial of <laughs> NBC people. So it was back in, I think, in around 2012. Yeah. So it was all the things that were going on during that time. So it was Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and The Office, and they're all singing Brotherhood of Man from uh, the musical How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And I showed it to Randall because at the end, it is just like a bunch of people that have encountered scandals, including Brian Williams and Matt Lauer and our current president and Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia. And it was, and it's all like the last minute of this three minute uh-huh. commercial. Aziz Ansari was Aziz Ansari, who, depending on your perspective. And yeah. so this was really funny because they were talking about why NBC chose to host Trump for this town hall. (laughs) And it says, what can we say? We have a type. And the image was Bill Cosby, Matt Lauer, and Donald Trump. So I thought that was a nice callback to our conversation. (laughs) Matt Lauer was a punchline this week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that's also, I think has been missing from Weekend Update that they're starting to do again, where the punchline of the joke is the image that's next to them instead Mm -hmm. of what they're saying. Which is nice to get back to that, I feel like. Yeah, and I'm glad that they felt comfortable with both the opening, the cold open, and some time and update to poke some kind of well-deserving fun at NBC. Yeah, yeah. Which has been kind of a staple of that network, which I do appreciate that they feel comfortable doing that. Self-deprecating humor is always the best. Oh, yeah, it's it's fun. And so we had uh, basically like two and a half correspondent pieces this (laughs) week. We had uh, Mikey and Alex as the Trump sons. The, the bit here is that Don Jr. is smart, Eric is dumb and honest, and then this week they brought in Chloe Feynman as Tiffany Trump, who is much younger than I thought she was. Apparently she, she's 27. So they were, oh. they were lampooning that she had had some birthday party at sea for her 27th birthday. Wow. So, uh, so they had them with their bit where basically Eric says the quiet parts out loud. Brought in uh, Chloe to do the same thing as Tiffany. Uh, Mikey, I'm sorry, uh, Eric Trump had a pod Patrol mask and was drinking hand sanitizer. <laughs> so that's fun. I like them, those two a lot. I like them they as a pair. They play off each other, yeah. I really like the that bit that they've been doing. I think sometimes th- this is a common thing that SNL does where they'll have a correspondent bit on update or like a popular character thing do it a few times and then they'll add somebody yeah they've done this they did that with um stefan when they brought in ben stiller zoolander they've done it where they bring in like a third person and sometimes that works 
I don't think Tiffany Trump really yeah. added much of anything. I like the rhythm of the two of those guys. I think Chloe's very funny. Yeah. But I think the rhythm of, of Mikey and Alex is really good as, as Eric and Don Jr. Yeah. Do you think that it was just there so that they could talk about her party that happened? Because that oh, was for in sure. the news. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they were, they're probably looking for a reason to bring those two back. Because it's a good bit. And it's they're a like, great oh, bit. we got some Trump kid news. What I was thinking about, though, is that they recently had that Don Jr. call to action for people to be like poll watchers for Trump, where he looked like super coked out. Uh huh. I think I was hoping, once I saw that they were there, I was hoping they would have alluded to that somehow or had him, because the guy looked very intoxicated somehow. <laughs> During that video thing with like red eyes and weird, and I think that they they could have done that. I think as constituted, it was fine. I like Chloe a lot. I like they had kind of stayed away from Tiffany as a entity because she yeah. doesn't get a whole lot of public attention. But she did speak at the RNC, and then she did have this party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great bit. I love everyone loves reoccurring yeah characters on Weekend Update. Um, I love those two. We've again. This is. We hadn't had a lot of Alex and Mikey Day yes. this season, and to get them both, I think this is their this episode. We saw a lot of both of them. We did, which I really did appreciate. Yeah. So, uh, getting to our half bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, AD apparently is currently filming Shrill right now. So, she is okay. not around. And I saw okay. that on either Instagram or Twitter where she said, like, Hey, I miss y'all. I'm going to be going back and forth as I record my show. So, they use that as a premise essentially for this 80 in America thing oh, yeah. where she was in a field with a microphone where she was supposed to like talk to undecided voters and couldn't find any. And that was it. Yeah. Which by the way, great quality of video on this. Yeah. That was like the first thing I was like, shit, this is professional. Oh yeah. This was not recorded <laughs> on a phone. I'm imagining that somehow like one of her shrill people, or they brought in like a yeah. local film crew, stick a camera on a field, give her a wireless mic, have her say three lines. I thought it was great weirdo kind of stuff that felt oh, yeah. appropriate to 80. And I hope that they do it a couple more times. And again, again, good job cutting it off when the joke was made. Yes. It, it, it's done. Move on. 50 second sketch. That's okay. So I write my notes as a bulleted list on Google Docs. And my two bullets are 80 in the middle of a field. That's the bit. <laughs> yeah. Which felt great. Which is good, yeah. Uh, my, one of my favorite jokes uh, where the, was Jost had that news report where deep-voiced men are more likely to be um, unfaithful to their partners and then says, you can't believe that, baby, in a deeper voice than he normally uses. And Che's response was, is that voice blackface? <laughs> which it kind of was. <laughs> It was a great moment. I I loved it. And then right after that, Che made the whole Ancestry.com joke. Again, poking fun at Joe's, I guess, <laughs> being racist, which is, you. we all know he's not. Yeah. But it's just... It's like if you want to see portraits of old racist white people, search for Joe's on Ancestry.com. Yeah. And again, that was another genuine moment from Joe's where he was like, I don't... Uh, I don't... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So then uh, we the last thing that I have on here is um, famous 80s cocaine wife with Heidi Gardner, which I she has not had a real um, real showcase so far this season. Mm-hmm. And this is her wheelhouse. She is so 
good. It was a great character. I want that character in a sketch. Mm. I don't think it worked as well on a weekend update. Because the whole time I was going, where is this going? Right. I think this is one of those things that kind of like lives in performance. That mm-hmm. like she didn't have a really even a joke she was telling. She no. was basically doing this one woman show. Yeah. That happened to be behind the update desk. And this is very similar to the boxer's wife in every sports movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Character that she also does. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to my sisters. Like that thing. And also kind of similar to she's got that vlogger character where she reviews movies and she's like embarrassed to be around the guys. Yeah. So this feels really of a piece of Heidi Gardner strengths. She's got a very, very specific character that she's doing in voice and performance. She's wearing this like um, gold lame dress. Oh, yeah. Took took a couple bumps of Coke during the the sketch. But it was, (laughs) I agree with you. It wasn't, there was no joke necessarily. Yeah. But I could watch her do that for a very long time. For a long time, yeah. The whole time I was like, am I watching, we can update our American Hustle right now. Like, Right. And you say that, why, why do you say specifically American Hustle? I, I, don't, I don't even know why I said that. So at the end of the sketch, over the applause as their end, she says, directed by David O. Russell. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't even know that he directed American Hustle. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the whole time I was like, this looks like a character from American Hustle. Yeah. That's hilarious. So apparently Heidi Gardner is kind of a fan because the other character that she does, the, the wife from a boxing movie, really feels like um, Amy Adams' character from... The Fighter. The Fighter, which yeah. is a David O. Russell movie. I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. Well, that's how good she is at that character that, like, I know exactly what movie she's impersonating. Without, like, but I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know that that's exactly what she's doing. Hold on. I want to make sure I didn't, didn't make that up. Yeah. When you type in David O. Russell to IMDb, the first thing that comes up is director, American Hustle. Yep. Yep. That's hilarious. Now I don't have to edit that out because if I made a whole point about David O. Russell and then was wrong, I would yeah. feel like an idiot. Yeah, we would have. Stay it in. <laughs> so, uh, God, that was probably one of my favorite things of the night. I really, I really like her. And I hope that she sticks around for a while because I think she is one of those uh, actresses that really belongs in sketch where she can be weird yeah, and have these very specific things. It reminded me a little bit of some of those really specific character sketches or kind of character bits on update that we've seen from Cecily Strong. Yeah. Where she's the the girl that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party and kind of like the weird neighbor lady that like chain smokes and kind of does a bunch of malapropisms. Yeah. So I, I really do like uh, Heidi and I thought I, I was so happy to see her just doing a weirdo character thing. And uh, she just like made Che uncomfortable. And you could even see this is another as a big fan of the show things I look for. You could see the camera shaking. Yeah. Which means that the operator is laughing. Yeah. And you could also see like the shadow of Che laughing constantly during that. So it was working for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're seeing the other cast members have fun or crew members having fun, that's when you're like, oh, this is not normal. Yeah. So after update, we get a couple of sketches. The first one is Your Voice Chicago, which is yes. Keenan Eason, uh, Ego Wodum, where they're talking about local candidates. So what do you think about this one? You already alluded to it. Yeah, this one, it reminded me a lot of, in a different kind of way, but of um, 
last week with Bill Burr on the sports show, mm-hmm. but they kind of went in the opposite direction where you kind of have this, I guess, this feeling in the country where people are trying to justify no matter who it is, just based off of the color of their skin, if they are African-American, they are good for the country. And they kind of exploit it in this sketch where it's like, hey, some of, you know, we should be basing our our choices for these political figures based off of what they think and what they say, not based off of the color of the skin, regardless what side you are on. Yeah, the the early thing that they say is, so Issa Rae's character is kind of blindly supporting all black candidates and mm-hmm. says like, you know what I do? I just, I'm voting for everybody black. And she says something to the effect of representation matters, which is something that you were actually hearing. Right. And they did a really great game where they kept on presenting two candidates, one of which was always black. And then talking about that one is a billionaire or one is doesn't pay his taxes, that kind of thing. And all the negative things were about the African-American character in, in the contrast. And I thought that was a really clever way of saying that like being uh, blindly supporting representation while important, that doesn't mean you should vote against your, your ideals and your own benefit just because that person looks a certain way. This was really exploiting that. And yeah. so we got... Uh, initially started with just like two essentially stock photos. Yeah. And then as the sketch went on, some of the comparisons included real members of the cast and ended up with the kind of diamond and silk analog with um, Punky and Maya. So that was a great, like Maya stuck around and did this like minute and a half of sketch material in the sketch late in the show. Right, right, right. Yeah, and and again, this is what SNL is here for. SNL is the only, I think it's the only place, uh, maybe Key and Peele could have gotten away with it back in the day too, but where you can talk about this issue and and do it in in a creative way, in a funny way, but also in a poignant way that gets the point across that uh, what they went for. And uh, I thought it was a great sketch. I thought it was a great sketch. The sketch, the the set reminded me of back in the Obama presidency where they had a recurring sketch with Keenan called How's He Doing? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, talking about like all these negative things we're having in the country. Like, how's he doing? Yeah. Did you elect him again? And uh, like the, because they were talking about Obama, they were all very positive. Yeah. Another kind of chat style show with all African-American members of the cast. So I thought this was, so when I saw them kind of push into it before they showed the title, I went, oh, how's he doing? Who are they going to be talking about? Yeah. And then it was uh, this other sketch where I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, but again, Issa was not, like, was in the sketch. Yeah. And she was she just wasn't as prominent as I would have expected her to I be. I see what you're saying now. And maybe this is because I didn't, because we had this problem with Chris Rock yes. where we were like, he was just kind of the straight man. And I guess going into it, because I don't know who she is. Right. I have this different kind of like, oh, she's doing great. But I guess if I would have known her strengths and been like, she's not playing to her strengths, maybe she's, I would be like, oh, she's just there as a as a straight man or as the character, you know? Well, yeah, she's an ancillary character in the opening sketch of the night. Yeah. And then she's she has more to do in this sketch, but she's just not, she's not featured that much. And that... Yeah is not an indictment of her. It's just, I think an indictment of how they wrote to her. Right. One, uh, one line I did like, and it when <laughs> when they brought up uh, eventually towards the end of the sketch where 
she goes, I'm going to need a minute to think about this. Yeah. One. Yeah. Like trying to figure out like how to find her like kind of basically mental uh, yeah. gymnastics to be able to support somebody that she does not believe in their ideals. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get, um, part of the extended cinematic SNL universe. Mm hmm. As this this series they've been doing for years now of Kyle backstage. <laughs> yeah. So they they when we we talked about in our pilot episode we we talked about the Mulaney episode, the most recent Mulaney episode, and that is where they had one of these filmed bits backstage where Kyle is getting all swole to be in a Chippendales sketch. So there's like this kind of fictional universe of backstage SNL developed by with anchored by Kyle where he yeah. was like in a relationship with. He's in a relationship with Leslie Jones. Yes. So yeah. they had they had that. And so this is part of that kind of surreal, not accurate version of backstage SNL. And so this takes the frame the, the format of Kyle, Stuck and Issa. They're outside of Justin Bieber's door. They're both trying to impress him to be a backup dancer for him. So Kyle is doing some distinctly Michael Jackson kinds of things. <laughs> uh, we realize that. Issa has the same motivation. Then we briefly cut to a seemingly expensive music video kind of thing. That uh, And this is me showing my age a little bit. It reminded me of the Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson video, Scream, mm-hmm. where they're on a spaceship. Are you aware of this? I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I watched a little bit of that this afternoon. So it <laughs> reminded me of that, but like very briefly. And then Chance walks by, always happy to see the musical guests show up in a sketch. So this is like the guest of the musical guest showing up in a sketch. Yeah. Uh, and we see that he has similar motivations. And then uh, poor new guy Andrew shows up as a COVID-19 compliance officer and drags Kyle away because he's sick. Yeah. Yeah, that seemed like a cop-out ending to this sketch. That... Yeah. It, like, they... I wanted the version where when we realized a chance was also looking to be a backup dancer that we go back to that music video and it's all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's where they were going. Same. And then they subverted that expectation by having Mike, uh, Kyle be COVID-19 positive and then have to leave. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe that's just the way in the universe that we live in right now. Maybe they had to rewrite it. Maybe that is where they wanted to go. And then, you know, maybe chance couldn't get there early enough or, yeah, who knows what creative things happen because of logistical concerns. But uh, I, I liked, I liked it. It was short. It was good. Yeah, it was again short. Yeah, Th- these sketches were short, and I liked that. There was at least four, four that were under two minutes long. Yeah, and this one, they established the premise. They escalated. They got out of it. Even if it was a cop out, I don't care. It was. Yeah, I liked that. And then we get to the Jack Flats ad. I'm sorry. No, before that is the second musical performance. I loved this one. I yeah. thought it was so good. Yeah. Where he's going through the dressing room. He's And and it was so emotional and personal to Justin Bieber. Yeah. Which I thought was fantastic. I thought it was really cool to see just them. They tracked him from the dressing room to the stage. I'm a sucker for seeing backstage of every anything, but certainly with SNL. And he just finished this quiet song with a solo keyboardist and him. Yeah, and, and the solo keyboardist is Benny Blanco, which I don't know if you know who Benny Blanco I is. I don't. He's like every single like modern day pop song hit has been him. Oh, like, that's cool. Like every like Justin Bieber song, uh every like dynamite back in the day, 
uh, like big songs. Like he's worked with Katy Perry, Lady okay. Gaga, and for him to be playing the piano and not just producing it, I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. That's like when uh, Mark Ronson hosted and had yeah. some kind of guest vocalist. That's very cool. I didn't realize yeah. that's an even better layer. But even with what I knew going into it, it just felt like a really. It, it is as somebody that did a little bit of sound production for since high school, the world that we get to live in, in which somebody can have a wireless mic and wireless monitors, which means they can be literally anywhere. Yeah. And to be able to use that and create this great just kind of quiet, I'm singing my song, I'm singing it well, I go to the stage, it's over. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I am more pro Bieber tonight than I expected. Yes, so same. Get, so we get to the Jack Flats ad. This is it's this. I think for you maybe hit a certain place because the the diner that they were kind of talking about really feels like the diner that's attached to the theater that both of us work at, <laughs> where it is a fifty style diner where they kind the servers are kind of sassy to you. It reminded me of uh, both the place that we work at and. In the 90s in Phoenix, they had a place called Ed DeBevex, where mm. it was a 50s-themed place where they would, uh, their motto was good food, fresh service, with the, the idea that the servers are going to make fun of you and kind of give you a hard time. So you see that, where they're talking about curbside, car hop service, that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and then it turns into a alt-right kind of recruiting video that feels like the well, clearly they were lampooning the kidnapping attempt on uh, Governor Whitmer in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a very interesting sketch. Uh, does this is this the weird sketch of the night? I think the uh, fake commercial fits that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're both similar. But yeah, they're, they're very very out there sketch. Um, I enjoy. I mean, we got to see Andrew, right? Yes. Uh, we got to see him. Uh, he did well in it. Um, I liked the bit of them being these screaming, white, bearded, tough men. But then whenever they said what they were going to do, they would like mumble it under their breath. Yeah. It, I I wanted to, I wrote down, I don't know what to call that. Like what specific vocal performance thing that that is. But I think the way that you're talking about it, it almost feels like the what they're trying to say is that these men can they weren't holding guns but there was like a gun on the wall uh-huh. can dress up as like proto military people and yeah. be very angry that their birthday dinner destination has become unavailable <laughs> to them and then when they channel their kind of white impotent rage they then shrink into this kind of like nervous shrugged shouldered person that is saying something Horrific, like right. Well, maybe kidnap them a little. So I think that that in performance, I really liked the the joke, like the way that they did the bit. Yeah, I think. I mean, especially in our day and age, I think that it was a perfect analogy for like Twitter people. Oh yeah, because you got these people who are willing to put in all caps. You know, I'm gonna do all this, but then in real life, they're like, "But I'm not." And yeah. uh, and then on top of that, I mean, someone who is that angry about that they can't go to their birthday spot mm-hmm. destination is probably a pretty 
weak person. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what's so funny is that they're the they had some very specific things about like I want to see smiles. I want them to make fun of me. Uh, they brought in new Lady Lauren as a server. Yeah, who they were upset that she gave a half-hearted insult to them during curbside pickup, which just illustrates that is not the same Jack Flats experience that they they are used to. But yeah, this in performance, how they were able to show how pathetic these people are yeah. felt very good. Yeah, yeah. Without doing a Governor Whitmer sketch, right? They were able to get to that in another way that I really liked. Yeah. Like, my dream is that this kind of oblique way of approaching a thing that's happening in culture is done at the top of the show in the cold open. Because you can address whatever you want from the week without just redoing the form of the thing that happened. This, taking this kidnapping plot against the governor uh, and this kind of angry Twitter rage about things not being the same, yeah. and putting it in this like recruiting video that interrupts a commercial for this mom-and-pop 50s diner is just really creative and really interesting. Yeah. Compared to we're going to just like rehash what happened earlier this week. Yeah, which is interesting you say that because at Second City, where a lot of these performers are from, and the writers, is they teach you is like if you're going to get a suggestion or if you're going to write something... Don't just rehash it. Create a premise that gets that same point across and people will think you're more clever for doing it, yeah. even though it's pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's interesting that like these performers are not doing that or these writers are not writing sketches that right. that are doing that. Uh, yeah, and Keenan came as a, a late <laughs> add to the sketch that was very funny. But I agree with you. I think that, that having something... Like this, I thought was one of the stronger sketches of the night. It's not joke heavy, but mm-hmm. it was a really well thought premise, well executed. Mm-hmm. Even if there weren't, weren't like a bunch of belly laughs, it was very effective. Yeah, in what I was trying to do. Yeah, and the last one felt really honest too. So the last one that would, so we actually had two sketches after the musical performance. The last two shows we didn't have any. So this is an improvement. Yeah, and so this was the eBay commercial where they have Ego, Heidi, and Chris with VO from Cecily. So Cecily has not been physically present in the studio yet, but this is the second time that they brought her in through a recording. Previously, we had video. Now we have her as a VO, so it's nice to hear her voice. Where basically the premise is people bought stuff to use all of this time in shelter in place, in quarantine, when applicable, to become better people, and none of us did. You're right. Right. Actually, to be honest, this sketch made me feel good (laughs) for multiple reasons, because, of course, I probably did the same thing. But also the fact that it was and now that you didn't use it and now that COVID's over, like it almost felt like they were kind of hinting at like, so now that COVID's over and now we can pack this stuff up and sell it. Right. I was like, is COVID over? (laughs) (laughs) Did I learn that from SNL? (laughs) If washing made it so. (laughs) But yeah, I thought I liked that it. Because I'm sure lots of people did this. They got yeah. They got books or musical instruments or Rosetta Stone or like I I own a copy of Rosetta Stone for Spanish that I got four years ago that I've never touched. Right. So every, I, what I think is like everybody's guilty of this, and then it's just so easy to sit on your couch 
and watch meaningless television or like I became really into TikTok over the last six, seven months. Yeah. And I think Chris Red kind of talks about that in the sketch where he talks about like, um, I was going to do this, but instead I'm just like watching ladies get act like idiots at the CVS. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a really good idea. But this, I bet, is their actual product placement because it was actually eBay. Oh, yeah. You said that last week, too. Right? Yeah. So this was not that eBay is going to create a pre-bay service where they like take things off of your of your stoop and then send it back. Yeah. But this was actually eBay with the actual eBay logos. So last week we talked about how these companies are getting sponsored or sponsoring uh, SNL in certain ways if they use them in their sketches. Yeah. And when I was thinking about it, I worked at Jamba Juice uh, maybe four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember us, they wanted us to share, they made us all watch a Jamba Juice sketch on SNL. Oh, that's amazing. And then they all made us, they were like, please share it on your social media as well. well there you go. And they were making fun of Jamba Juice. It was but that was a, a paid promotion. That's yeah. amazing. Which I didn't even think about it till later this week. And I was like, oh, Brian is right. Yeah, they definitely are, are doing it for money. <laughs> In general, if you want to have the thought, Brian is right, you're probably going to be correct. That's probably right, yeah. And the thing that we did not realize last week with the Sam Adams sketch is we thought the flavor that they were selling, the Jacko beer yeah. that they were unrelentingly mean to, was an invention. It is not. It's a real. It's a real beer. I was at the grocery store during the course of this week. I could have, but did not <laughs> purchase Jacko beer. And I would love to know. And I will never find out this information. But I would love to know their sales. Before last Saturday and after last Saturday, and because they were unkind in that sketch to that that brew of Sam Adams, I would love to know if it helped or hurt. But you did get Sam Adams at the store. I did get Sam Adams. Do you, do you normally get Sam Adams? I'm from Boston. Yes. Okay, so you do. So I don't but know I, that. But I did take notice because they have like their holiday variety pack where they have their Oktoberfest. Yeah. And there was the Jacko beer. And I went, nah, Bill Burr says it tastes like crap. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that really worked. But maybe maybe you're inclined to buy a different kind of Sam Adams. I do. You know? uh, and that w- that's it for the show. We had we got to the goodnights. I didn't write down anything notable from from the goodnights. Baldwin left almost immediately. He's not sticking around. But right. Jim Carrey and, and his red beanie. Rudolph were there and his red beanie. And uh, Chance the Rapper stuck around, so that was good. So we're getting to our awards. Yes. What is your best sketch of the night? Uh, best sketch of the night for me, I feel like is Five Hour Empathy. I think that, that was my favorite sketch. I liked yeah. that one a lot. I liked how short it was. They got to the joke. And uh, yeah, it was just a great sketch. It, it poked fun at our society, but it also was hilarious. Yeah, and I think mine is the uh, alt-right, the Jack Flats. Yeah, I think mine is the Jack Flats. Really great performances from everybody. Yeah. So who's your favorite uh, or most ready for primetime player? Who's your all-star tonight? My all-star tonight is, I'm going to go with Mikey Day. Okay. Um, I thought he did a good George at the beginning. I thought he was, I mean, again, he did one of the Trumps. Uh, I like seeing more of them. As I'm speaking about it right now, it might be a tie. Okay. Who's your other one? Bowen Yang. 
Okay, yeah, we got a lot of Bowen tonight. I liked a lot of Bowen. I thought he was also hilarious, and he was cracking. I mean, he was cracking me up in the Bonjour High just because he was bad at the accent. And, yes. But I felt like he was owning it, and then, uh, yeah, he came up in that Chicago sketch as well. So I'm going to say it's a tie Okay. between Bowen and, and Mikey. Can we do that? We can there do are no rules. Yeah. I, I think mine is Kyle this week. Kyle. So between his backstage SNL extended universe sketch and the Jack Flats ad, I thought he was uh, really strong. We got to see a little bit more of him than we typically mm-hmm. do. So I think he is my favorite. Our our stronger. What's interesting is our stronger cast members are getting less opportunity with the additional folks. Like Kate. Yeah. Was in Bolger High and the first sketch of the night or the cold open, and that's it. Right. And a, a lot of the women didn't have much to do. And in terms of the men, you know, Beck was in the five-hour empathy sketch. Kyle had a couple of things to do. Alex and Mikey were were used more this week. But, it, like, sometimes it really feels like, oh, this is the whomever show. Yeah. And I think that, like, Keenan was in a lot. Keenan was. Heidi was in Heidi more did more, too. Than- but, yeah, I think that... The, the work was more spread out, and I think the two things that Kyle did were the most impactful. Yeah, I think actually, like you said, I think that this was the most spread out show that we've had. Yeah, well, and all three new cast members had speaking roles. Everyone had speaking roles, and I think we saw everyone, didn't we? Yeah, did, we did Oh, wait, see did we see Cecily Strong? Well, Cecily did the VO. Oh, yeah, yeah, and she Because right. she can't physically appear. Right. We even got... 80 from abroad. Yeah. And we got Melissa both in the cold open and in voiceover. So, yeah. So, yeah, we got everybody. Yeah. So, that's nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you have a, a tie between Bone and Mikey. And yeah. I have Kyle. Yeah. And then uh, our stock up, stock down on people. So, now that you've seen Issa Rae do something. Yeah. What do you think? So, it's funny. At the start of the episode, I was like, I really liked her. I thought she did great. I still think she did great. Um, you didn't think she did a lot. And after talking about the whole show with you, I'm like, yeah, she she really didn't do a lot. But the fact that she didn't do a lot and I liked her yeah. is is good. I think I will watch her shows. Uh, she's got what? Insecure? She's got Insecure. And then she, she was talking a- about in her monologue that she was promoting two movies that she was in. She was in The Lovebirds and she had some other movie that was coming out in the spring. Yeah, I like her. She was a very strong uh, performer, a very strong... I mean, comedic voice, and I thought she she did very well on SNL. So yeah, I'm very interested in seeing what else she has done. I had already seen a little bit of Insecure. I'd seen a couple of her movie performances. I don't think that this pushed the needle up for me, and I think that that is a product of her not really being featured this week. Yeah. Which, as the season goes on, I think we're going to have more conversations like this, but this is the first one... Well, even Chris Rock had that too, where he was the he was in sketches, but right. not prominent. Yeah, and then Bill Burr was the comedic force in most of those sketches he was in. Yeah, and then she felt like she they were putting her in places where they could use her. Yeah, more than we want to exploit something. And I think the difference is, and we talked about this a little bit with Bill Burr last week, is that you get the impression he came to. New York with some ideas. Yeah. And I think Issa Rae, she writes her own show. It is a one of those kind of shows that's built as a kind of version of her life. So she is clearly a talented writer, but 
I think that it might be that her I whatever happened in the writing this week, it did not feel like they were doing good Issa Rae things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, the difference is a performer who's coming in who's who likes to be told what to do and who likes to tell people what to do. Yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, I think her and Chris Rock both are like, yeah, I'm game for whatever. What do you guys have? Whereas Bill Burr is like, these are the things I want to talk about. And I think the the first one of what do you guys have this week really only works if you're a really strong SNL performer. Yes. Like uh, Steve Martin is someone who I think could benefit from that. Will Ferrell. People like that where they're like, I'll do whatever they tell me. Right. And I'll make it good. Or even somebody that is less of a writer like Timberlake or yeah. even in the late 80s, early 90s, Tom Hanks. Right. Where that person is going to be very strong. We'll, they'll do what we ask them to do very well. Yeah. But then you have people like uh, Bill Burr. Um, even I, th- I even think like people like Harry Styles or Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. There are these kind of personalities where when they get on SNL... It's they're the main part of the sketch. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. So uh, next, are we more keen on Justin Bieber? And for me, yeah, this is probably the hottest I've been on Justin Bieber in his time in my life. Yeah, yeah, I've always loved I've always loved Justin. For me, growing up as a twenty six year old male, see, I've always said there's nobody who's famous who's my age. Right. Except for Justin Bieber. That's it. And now that I look back on it, I go, that's all I need, though. <laughs> so uh, the difference, I think, is I was working at a high school when Justin Bieber hit, and I <laughs> uh, I could not hear Baby enough, I guess. So yeah. uh, I kind of watched him kind of evolve into like a, an adult. Yeah. And this one, and last time he was like on a weird stage and just had like a bunch of people bounced around him, and he was just not engaging as a performer, but this time the song with chance was very strong. Yeah. And then the let's take you off the stage element of the lonely song that he sang. Well, great. So that is where like, I can see myself tomorrow pulling up Amazon music and listening to more of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For We're sure. not sponsored by Amazon, but if they could, yeah, that would be great. Amazon music. I pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's the tagline. <laughs> Amazon Music, pay for it. It's great. That's it. Millions of songs at your fingertips, including new HD stuff. <laughs> Just please pay us to talk about it. Just you. please, yeah, please, Amazon. <laughs> so, um, so I looked right before you got here to talk about next week because they hadn't announced it until today. And next week we have Adele. Okay. As the host. Adele is hosting. Adele is hosting along with H E R. Her, who is that? Do I, I don't know. I didn't do any. I did not look that person up before. I, I don't know if her is one person or multiple people. Uh-huh. I'm assuming they do something that people would recognize as music. Yes, but that is all I know. Yeah, I don't and know. Adele is, is an interesting figure in that she has obviously a very pop, famous pop star. Hasn't made a ton of music recently. Yeah. So, but she's coming on as the musical guest. She has a reputation of being funny. Yes. Yes, she is. Uh, I feel like she's very funny. She's been on SNL before, not yes. as a host, but as a musical guest. Yeah, and she's funny. I've seen her in interviews where she'll crack jokes, she'll crack jokes during yeah. her shows. So I think she's an interesting choice. This is one of those um, 
kind of square power, square peg, round hole kind of deals, like where you get Charles Barkley right. or Nancy Kerrigan or somebody that isn't who is very famous, but not for being a funny person. Person, yeah. And she is a very talented vocalist. I hope we get some vocal sketches. I, yeah. I, I don't see how we could not get some music-oriented sketches. But yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect, but she is our host next week, and then a musical guest I know nothing about. So this kind of like last week, where you didn't know much about Issa Rae, and it was kind of a genuine way of learning about her. Yeah. That is how I feel about this week. Like, I don't know anything about this band, I'm, or this individual, or duo, or whatever the hell it is. It sounds like a it sounds like a, a like dubstep group, like Chainsmokers or something. We'll find out. I'm probably so far off. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so that is it for Saturday Night Rewind. Thanks again for again for another wonderful conversation, mm-hmm. Randall. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I had a lot of fun. So if you're listening to this, please like and rate us on whatever podcast platform that you choose to listen to us on. You can find us at SN Rewind Pod at, on Twitter. You can find Randall at... Uh, at Fresh Cut Randall. You can find me on... Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you you need social media. All at Fresh Cut Randall. And then you can find me at Mr. B Paradise. I'm both on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.